Aloha. Welcome to American Issues Take One. I'm Tim Apicella, your host. You know, there's been a lot of hand-wringing for, for quite a while now about what kind of implications to the rule of law and to our justice system if a sitting president or a, a, a former president is indicted on criminal charges. Uh, a lot of hand-wringing on that. And, you know, if you just remember a few, a few years back, well, more than a few years, let's say a few decades, there was a gentleman who happened to be our vice president, Spiro T. Spiro T. Agnew. Now, Spiro T. Agnew was a governor of Maryland. And uh, some of the things that he did is the governor followed him to the White House and followed him to his role as vice president. And so Spiro T. Agnew was being investigated by the Justice Department for extortion, bribery, and tax evasion. And they were going to go forward and prosecute him as the sitting vice president of the United States. Well, that was 1973. Uh, Richard Nixon was in the middle of his Watergate scandal. And so they wanted to try to you know, finesse the situation. And what they finally did is, uh, excuse me, Vice President Agnew um, pled nolo contestre, which means I did it, but uh, didn't do it. And um, they decided to charge him with $29,000 of unreported income. And it was a felony. So he had three years of unsupervised um, probation, and he had to pay, I think, $29,000 back uh, to the federal government. But that was what the Justice Department did in 1973 to a sitting vice president. Now let's fast forward to 2022 in our Department of Justice to what kind of indictments could be forthcoming to Donald Trump, former president of the United States, and what sort of indictments would that have impact on a former president of the United States? So that's gonna be part of the topic, the rule of law, uh, where our Justice Department is on potential indictments, and that's the discussion for today. I'd like to introduce our guest today, and with us today is our special esteemed guest, Vicky Cayetano, my co-host, Jay Fidel, and our contributor, Cynthia Lee Sinclair. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Morning. Uh, Jay, to you, um, you know, this, this has gone back and forth in the media of, of the potential damage that Merrick Garland, our attorney general, could do to the justice system to um, make our justice system look like something out of a uh, banana republic in South America, that we're going after our political enemies and we're doing so on um, using the Justice Department as its strong arm. <clears throat> Is there any merit to that concern? And compare that concern to what we did at the Justice Department did with um, Vice President Agnew. Well, there may be sleepers in the, in the Justice Department right now, but I don't think that's so much the problem as uh, as it is uh, Merrick Garland. He's uh, he he's soft on this. Um, you know, when you think about it, it's almost two years since January sixth. No indictments of any big fish, only little fish, and that's becoming obvious. Um, and what I like to say though about this is that you know. I think, uh, consistent with his, his spoken expression on it, uh, nobody's above the law and the Justice Department should, you know, to, to, should indict everyone who's indictable. Doesn't matter whether they were former president or not. The public really expects that. I expect that, don't you? And, <clears throat> and he really hasn't done that. He seems to have this kind of, a, um, you know, this kind of uh, uh, reluctance and it reminds me of Ann Applebaum, who explained why uh, the Russians were able to 
undermine the, you know, the uh, government in Eastern Europe after the war. It was fear. Somehow the Russians created fear in the East Germans, for example, including Putin uh, and the likes of Putin, KGB at the time. So, you know, what I'm, what I'm saying is um, we, we should not be afraid. And furthermore, and this goes to a comment that Cynthia made a few weeks ago, uh, we, should, we should not give advice you know, I mean, uh, the special master came off an MSNBC program. Next day, uh, Trump uh, moved for a special master. Um, and we're all sitting around here giving advice. And then the, the pundits that appear, you know, they give advice. And before you know it, the advice is taken. And um, I'm troubled with uh, trying to select uh, one proceeding or another as the best proceeding, the best place, the best strategical place to do an indictment. My answer to the larger question here today, Tim, is if it's indictable, indict. And right now. Okay, well, let's, let me take you back to Spiro T. Agnew. I mean, they had him in the crosshairs for bribery, extortion as governor of Maryland. Uh, they didn't decide to indict on those charges. They uh, worked behind the scenes for a plea bargain. And the plea bargain was a tax evasion charge, which was a felony, but uh, you know, minuscule to the other two charges that they had them in the in the crosshairs for. What happened to the rule of law there? Well, I'd like to make a distinction. When we're talking about Spiro to and Spirit Agnew, we're talking about one kettle of fish. When we're talking about Donald Trump, we're talking about Mr. Teflon. <clears throat> he doesn't negotiate. You can't you can't have him into your office and make a deal with him. That's impossible. Uh, and, and according to Tim Snyder's book, um, you know, the, the Road to Unfreedom, uh, in fact, it's Putin who's calling the shots on, on Trump. And it's been that way for 10 years anyway. So I, I, don't, I don't think you can make a deal with Trump. So that's got to be distinguished with what happened with Spiro T. Agnew. Um, so I wouldn't even, if I was, um, if I was uh, Merrick Garland, I wouldn't start that. Uh, for that, for that matter, uh, if I were Zelensky, I wouldn't start that in in dealing with uh, Putin either. Uh, so I think uh, in this case, that option is not available. You're not going to make any deals, um, and so just go for it. Go, you know, impanel grand juries on all of those cases that he controls, and then any of those prosecutors control. Probably the strongest prosecutor is the, the black woman in, in Atlanta. Uh, she's the one. She's my idol. Um, but just go for it. Let's go, go, go. We have no time to waste. Okay. Thank you, Jay. <coughs> you know, go, go yeah, ahead. I'm just going to say that, you know, do you think Attorney General Garland is being slow or do you think he's just being very thorough? I mean, you are talking about a former president and you, I agree with you. You don't want it to have the accusations that it's all a political vendetta going after Trump. And so maybe he's just being very thorough because as Tim has pointed out, Trump is like Teflon, nothing sticks on him. And it's sad, but there's a good part of our population that seems to support him no matter what, right? It's fake news, it's not real. So I think perhaps Attorney General is not necessarily slow, but is wanting to make sure that what he indict gets him indicted for that it sticks you know and i think that's really important because the last thing we need is a revolution in our own country with people who don't believe it and say that it's just all politics not justice all right um, vicky that leads me to the question about what charges of indictment would be the one that sticks 
I'll just go down a, a, a small list, and I know Cynthia has a larger list, and I'll get to her next. <clears throat> the small list is um, the January 6th, um, his role in the January 6th, and his role as far as trying to obstruct Congress and uh, prevent Congress from doing their business, particularly uh, the certification of electoral votes. Or was it the placement of fake delegates that uh, were planned to obstruct the vote for the delegates? Or was it the illegal position of classified documents in Mar-a-Lago? Or is it the financial IRS fraud char charges, potentially for Trump's business and personal residence, specifically property valuations, the inflation, or the underreporting of those valuations? Or last but not least, conspiracy to commit election fraud by pressuring the Georgia Secretary of State uh, to find 11,780 votes. I mean, the list is long, and it's a lot longer than I just mentioned. Which, if, if you were Merrick Garland, which, which avenue would be, in your opinion, um, the, the easiest to indict Donald Trump on? Well, I would think that the January 6th attack on the Capitol, every, everything points to his involvement, you, you know, his encouraging, incite, inciting them to, he never called them off when he could have. So, and that is something that's very public and for the average American, who's not so much into the legal aspect of it, hard to dispute his involvement on that. Uh, things that become too technical that people don't understand. When they don't understand, they feel this sense of mistrust, right, in the system. So from a simplistic view, I would believe that without a doubt, that is something that the president, the former president should be indicted on. Uh, but I think that if he um, broke the law, in any of the other issues that you pointed out, uh, unless it's gonna take another 15 years, uh, he should face those charges as well. You know, I don't, I'm not sure that the, the law should be, anybody should be above the law or that it, it plays for negotiation of what we should charge him on or not. But I think without a doubt, the cleanest way is what happened on January 6th. That's my own feeling. I'd like to agree with Vicki. And the reason is something that we haven't really addressed, and that is, well, she has, uh, is, is a public reaction. Um, this was, when we all sat there, you know, and most of the country sat there and watched that horrendous day, we were shocked down to our bootstraps. It was shocking to the conscience. And we understood it, as you said, Vicky. Um, we understood it because it was violence, there was bloodshed, it was a death right in front of our eyes. Um, you know, it was uh, it was a real shockeroo. You come, you got to see this. This is amazing. They're storming the Capitol. They breached the Capitol. I mean, everybody in the country was watching it, um, and that more uh, than, for example, in terms of ease of understanding, um, the uh, uh, you know the, the documents uh, that were stolen from the White House. Um, the public has a little trouble. And I think the media is at least partly at fault for this, uh, understanding what it is to have a PSYOP, ESA, um, you know, a war plan, nuclear secrets uh, unaccounted for, revealed with empty, empty uh, top secret folders. Where did the documents go? Um, and, and what this means to national security and what it means to the people who might have gotten these documents or purchased them from, from Trump. Um, so I don't think people fully understand that. They understand violence, though. I don't agree with you guys. 
because I think the two that are the very easiest to prosecute is that, like you just said, the documents case, because there's clear national security, there's physical evidence, there's so much physical evidence that makes a difference. And then also the one that is in Georgia, the one that you love so much, Jay. And that one, because he's on tape saying, just find me, I just need 1180 votes. Come on, fellas, you gotta help me out here. So yeah. I think that's- a Well, let me add one other thought. It's not a question of the ease of indictment or the ease of prosecution. Um, you know, I, I would go with what I uh, in, you know, uh, articulated earlier. If it's indictable, indict it. We don't have time. Um, the, you know, the, if I were Merrick Garland, I would be perhaps more sensitive to the fact that our democracy is declining every day. And Trump is, yeah. is uh, uh, running a conspiracy, leading a conspiracy uh, that is in a race of time. And uh, we cannot well, afford to waste one day. So well, if you can indict, indict. We'll worry about the trial later. Well, Jay, I'm, I'm, I'm going to get to Vicky here in a second, but Jay, uh, the title suggests that the rule of law has been delayed, the indictment's delayed, because we're right in the middle of an election. And doesn't Merrick Garland, and, and rightly so, want to avoid uh, pitching this stuff during the uh, you know, last 28 days uh, before a, a national election? Uh, isn't that Merrick Garland's concern, and that's why he's on the, he's hush-hush right now? You want, you want me to respond to that? Yes, sir. Yeah. Yeah, the memo that, um, that Bill Barr uh, talked about uh, way back when, and Comey was entangled in, and talks about candidates. Let me tell you this, uh, and I, I can say it multiple times if you want, Trump is not a candidate. Um, the second thing is that it's a memo in, in the Department of Justice. It can be reversed as fast as, as it was written. I don't know why, I really don't know why Merrick Garland hasn't modified that memo already. He should have. And, and um, you know, uh, finally, the, the whole thing is uh, we are in a crisis. I don't know why this isn't more in the public conversation. We are in a crisis, and this election could wreck the country forever. So Merrick Garland has got to move on it, and there's no reason why he can't move right now. Okay. Vicki, um, what, what about the criticism that indicting a sitting president, which, you know, the memo says that was not possible, that the only remedy was impeachment, but what about the concerns that um, going after a former president is likened to a banana republic, uh, trying to pay, pay back uh, for political enemies through um, your Department of Justice. What about those criticisms? Are they, are they founded or are they, are they, that's the, a weak argument? I think that's a very weak argument. And I'd argue the reverse, that, it, 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 that if we don't hold people responsible, accountable to the rule of law, regardless if you're a president or former president, uh, that is what a banana republic is all about. So I think that's a very weak argument, frankly. Uh, but, you know, getting back uh, to what Jay is saying about indict, indict now, I understand that, uh, Jay, but at the same time, don't you think that some people will say it's very political if he brings it at this time with 28 days left in the midterm election, that people who are, who are looking for a reason to accuse the Democrats 
you know, of coming up with these charges that they're going to say the timing is just so suspect, like Comey did uh, during the 2016 election. And when he brought those charges up or, you know, the suspicious comments that he made about Hillary Clinton. And, and some people believe that that cost her the election, the timing of such. So don't you think in some ways that he is being perhaps wise and holding off on that? Uh, may I answer my answer is no. He's not. He's not being wise on holding off on that. Uh, you remember, um, you know, the comment made by by his friend uh, that uh, if he was uh, indicted as a result of this uh, affair in in um, Mar-a-Lago, there would be violence. Remember that? And um, I think there would be violence. Here's here's my thought. There'd be violence anyway. No matter what happens, there'd be violence whether it's now, whether it's the day before the election, day after the election, or six months later, there will be a reaction. And Trump will use the media, all his uh, acolytes will use the media, and the reaction will be you know, just as disturbing before, during, or after. So I don't, I don't think that in a larger scheme, it really makes a difference. Um, I also, and this is only reflective, but you know, how come it takes so long when we all saw the television uh, in front of our eyeballs? How come it takes so long when we have the goods on, on him, um, you know, stealing the documents from the White House? How come it takes so long? Uh, you're right about, you know, United States attorneys and attorneys general um, being careful. Um, but th this is really beyond the call. And if you, you know, measure the benefit of being very, very careful against the detriment of, um, of letting the Republicans take both houses, of letting Republicans just smash the select committee immediately on December 31 and so forth. Um, you know, there's there's a balance. There's a balance. So <clears throat> certainly I think we should be concerned about the criticism that Merrick Garland will get uh, in any event at any point in time about how he moved uh, in, in a witch hunt um, against the risk uh, that whenever he does that, he's going to be criticized. And uh, there could be violence whenever he does that with whatever. You know, to me, I would... As I said, I would just plow right ahead um, on all of those indictments uh, in, the, in the notion of what Merrick Garland said last June. He said, nobody's above the law. We will you know, follow the evidence wherever it goes. And <clears throat> so we all know the evidence already. We all know. <laughs> oh, do it, man. Uh, I don't know why he's being so tentative, honestly. Yeah. Cynthia. Oh, Jay, at that same time, he also said this is the biggest, you know, case, the biggest prosecution of, of our history. So maybe he's a little overwhelmed. Maybe that's part of it, too. He's maybe got more resources than you can shake a stick at. He's got the whole hey, Department Jay? of Justice. Yeah, Jay, but we said the Department of Justice may have a, a whole gaggle of uh, loyalists to Trump. And maybe they're putting the brakes on. That was the next thing I was going to say. Exactly. Right. Maybe. Yeah. He is the attorney general of the United States of America. That is true. Okay. Cynthia, Jay just mentioned, and, and Vicky mentioned, mm -hmm. uh, we've all mentioned that no one is above the law. Uh, I love going back to history because sometimes history does uh, shine a light on the path of the future and the present. And when Nixon said, when the president does it, it means it's not illegal. That's what he said when he was in the midst of his uh, Watergate scandal. Um, is that, are those words starting to, to uh, ring true here now for Donald Trump? Well, um, if you look at the DOJ memo that was written that says you can't indict a sitting president, maybe so. 
but um, he's not a sitting president anymore. And he's doing some of these things outside of his presidency. So some of the things that he's done, he, that he can't use that as cover. And I don't think he should ever be able to use it as cover. I agree with Jay, that should have been, that memo should have been rewritten immediately. Um, just after they found out just how much risk the country was at because of him doing these things, you know, unstopped and unfettered because they couldn't touch a sitting president. So he thought, okay, cool, let's just do whatever I can get away with, which is just what he did. So I think they need to change that memo right away. All righty. Um, can you imagine any situation? And I, I could actually imagine one because it's happened. Can you imagine any situation where the president maybe is above the law? Um, I'll just throw out an example. You know, uh, President Johnson really never went to Congress um, to engage aggressively in the Vietnam War. He basically cited uh, the Gulf of Tonkin as his uh, springboard to uh, dedicate a bunch of troops and military. And we basically declared a war without going to Congress to declare a war. Would that be an example of a president acting above and beyond the law? Because the law says Congress shall be consulted. So absolutely, yes, I think that- Is that there any other kind of a situation you can think of where maybe that's the case, where the, the president of the United States is above the law? Well, he was above the law when he pardoned Nixon also, right? Just because he didn't want to have a bunch of political stuff that was going to- No, it was legal to pardon anybody, so- he was within the law there, but was it right? No, I don't think so, but um, you know, he was within the law. But so the, I, I guess what I'm saying is, is Nixon's words, you know, 50 years later, starting to ring true. And uh, for, certainly for his base it is, but how about through the, our, our, our justice system? Is, is it, are they reluctant to aggressively, as Jay has suggested, uh, reluctantly um, aggressively indict him on everything that they, ha they have, they have evidence for? Uh, or they're just, they're squeamish. We have to remember where they come from. Well, at least where Merrick Garland comes from, which is, right, the Federalist Society. So that means that he's very conservative. That means he's very, you know, judicious. That means he's going to be really careful and take, you know, his time making decisions. And he, and most of the time, the Federalists believe in full presidential power. So they kind of want to afford as much complete power as they can to the president. And, and I just think that's so dangerous because then that sets us up to be that, you know, uh, third world country, you know, <laughs> type of a country where all of these just continual um, upheavals in who the government is because who's the strongest, who's got the most guns, or the best propaganda um, and the most money. And that's what gets us out of the rule of law, who has the most integrity and gets us into who has the most power. And so I like to choose that we stay in a place where we choose the person with the most integrity instead or establish that we are putting people in place that have the most integrity. All righty. Uh, we've run out of time, but I want to get to this last question for both Jay and Vicky on this. And that is, uh, Jay, you and I have talked about um, the possibility that a lot of Trump loyalists are embedded 
in a great number of our federal agencies. Uh, the post office comes to mind, um, the Secret Service possibly, and possibly the Department of Justice. What's to be done about that? I mean, I know we want to avoid um, the McCarthy Red Scare uh, era, uh, but what if there are loyalists that are bent, not following their oath of office, but rather um, making sure that the uh, potential run for Donald Trump uh, occurs and his agenda is implemented. Yeah, I mean, I, there's so many indications that Trump left time bombs all over the government. And uh, I don't know if, if it's really been explored to the extent it could be. Um, but I think um, my personal view of it is uh, those agencies you mentioned and others, don't forget Homeland Security. Uh, and so, you know, he's got he's got acolytes hither and yon. And the, and the question then is whether Biden as president can remove those people. And the answer is, uh, well, some of those people are civil service, you know, some are senior civil service. It's not so easy to remove civil service. You have to go through a process. And if they don't like what you're doing or if the GOP doesn't like what you're doing, they'll make a big you know, fuss about it and, and uh, take all those cases to court and we'll have pandemonium and chaos. So I guess uh, for those cases, Biden is um, you know, genuinely uh, reserved about it and okay for him. There are other situations where he could remove um, bad apples, uh, time bombs, and he hasn't done that. And I really do not understand, like for myself, I do not understand why he hasn't done that. He could have, should have done it in January of, uh, or February of, of 2021, and he didn't do it. Um, so here we are, and, and frankly, the longer we wait, the more difficult it becomes. Um, so right. I, don't know, I don't know the answer to your question, Tim. That's okay. Sometimes there aren't. Uh, Vicki, same question to you. Do, you. do you buy the premise that um, Donald Trump has left time bombs in various federal agencies, and those time bombs or acolytes are working aggressively to uh, undermine our democracy? I think he has, uh, but I think one has to really distinguish between loyalty versus disruption. And I think that's how the American public, you know, we've really got to bring this country together. Otherwise, we will, could face civil war. I mean, that, that seems preposterous, but when you see what's going on, it's not so out of uh, reality. So I think it's important to really distinguish loyalty to a former president, disruption to our country, to the future. This is what needs to be communicated to the American public. And that should not be tolerated, that kind of disruptive government, because democracy is what we all cherish and we must work to keep that. Okay. I can't resist because there's a lot of folks that say we're currently in a cold civil war right now. There's great polarization between Democrats and Republicans and mega GOP. I'll make that distinction. Um, would an indictment of Donald Trump um, warm up that cold civil war? I, I think we must really push that no one is above the law. And I think the important thing is to show the evidence so that people understand that. All righty. Uh, okay, time for last comments. Uh, Cynthia, I'll start with you. I have a rather troubling quote for us today. Yeah, of course you do. <laughs> yeah, you know me. I like my last I word. do. That's why I said what I said. <laughs> uh, this one comes from um, Marjorie Taylor Greene. And, and it is, if we lose the house and... Um, 
it, he, she was talking about and to um, the possible next speaker of the house. You know, McCarthy just might end up in, in more power than we ever want. This is what she says. I think that to be the best speaker of the house and to please the base, he's going to give me a lot of power and a lot of leeway. And if he doesn't, they're going to be very unhappy about it. And that's not in any way a threat at all. I think it's just a reality. Sometimes a threat is an implied threat. It is a threat. <laughs> yes, of course it's it is. It's not a threat, it's a factor, you know, it's a problem. All right, well, remember, she thought that um, um, people were paying for uh, lasers, space lasers to burn the forests of California amongst other things she believes in. Okay, thank you, Cynthia. The speaker's <laughs> ear. That's what's so scary. I don't forget that. So I'm glad you brought that up. All right. About to get the speaker's ear, so we're in trouble. <laughs> Here we go. All right, Jay, your last thoughts. Thank you, Cynthia. Although it remains logically possible that uh, Merrick Garland will uh, impanel a grand jury and find an indictment on, on the two things that are uh, on his desk, uh, that is the Mar-a-Lago and, uh, and the uh, and January sixth. Uh, at this point, my 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 thinking is that he will not do that. It will not happen. And um, you know, the big issue is when you when you take that fact, that likelihood, uh, against the fact that um, we are probably going to Democrats will probably lose both houses um, in November, November eighth. Uh, and even if they don't, there'll be litigation over it. Uh, there'll be all these strange, um, you know, maneuvers in battleground states over it. Uh, there'll be chaos over it. We are we are facing a brick wall of problems, mm -hmm. and I I don't know what will happen. I'm I'm very worried about that, and the country, and Mr. Teflon. Okay, Vicky, you get the final word today. You know, I just want to say how much I've appreciated the last 30 minutes of discussion. And I think that sometimes in Hawaii, we tend to be a little too isolated. But the fact is what happens on the mainland, what happens in our country, we are part of the United States of America. And what happens in America affects the whole world. So we're all in this together. And I think it's great that we have this program. I'm so honored and thank you for having me on. Uh, but I hope that uh, our people in Hawaii will really be attuned to what's happening with the midterm elections because, you know, not just what's happening locally, but what happens in D.C. affects us as well. Thank you. You're thank here. you. You're here. Uh, I'd like to thank our guests, <clears throat> especially our special guest, Vicky Cayetano, my co-host, Jay Fidel, and our, our contributor and special guest, Cynthia Lee Sinclair. I'd like to have a final word, and it's simply this. No one is above the law. And with that, I'm Tim Apicelli, your host for American Issues, Take One. Won't you join us next week? Aloha.
Thank you so much for watching Think Tech Hawaii. If you like what we do, please like us and click the subscribe button on YouTube and the follow button on Vimeo. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn, and donate to us at thinktechhawaii.com. Mahalo.